Good morning and uh, welcome to Race Industry Now, the weekly webinar series from ePartray, presented to you by ARP, Performance Plus Global Logistics, PIC, ShopMonkey, and Fifth Third Bank Motorsports. I am Francis Savinia, the founder and CEO of ePartrade, the global platform for the performance and racing industry. This is episode 348, and we're going to be talking to Fifth Third Bank on a topic we have never covered before. So it's going to be very interesting. So with me this morning are Judy Kin, the co-founder of ePartrade, and a wonderful host, Mr. Brad Gilly. Judy? Thank you, Francis, and thank you, everybody, for joining us today. I am so proud to have Fifth Third Bank Motorsports on today. I've probably known them for about a decade now, and I'm telling you what, they are everywhere. They have a footprint at races, at industry events. David and Alan are everywhere, and we have really built trust within this industry, and they're out there servicing our industry, which I just love. So I'm excited to hear what's going on today. How are you today, Brad? I'm doing great, and I'm excited. Uh, I know, Judy, you've talked about this webinar for quite some time now and Fifth Third Bank Motorsports, so this is going to be a fun one, and uh, I'm really looking forward to it. So what do you guys say we get started? Absolutely. I awesome. see Alan is joining us. We should be getting uh, David as well and Jeffrey, and when they're on, Brad, you'll be in charge. All right. Well, thank you, Francis and Judy. We'll see you here very shortly. And, uh, you know, this is going to be a great topic. Uh, and I'm going to steal a line from uh, one of my co-hosts on Sirius XM and a former champion crew chief, Todd Gordon. You race everywhere. And uh, I know we talk a lot about parts and pieces and suppliers and a lot of great products here uh, on EPAR Trade and Race Industry Now. And today we're going to talk about another place where we race, and that uh, is in banking. Today's topic, inflation and interest rates and instability. Oh, my. An economic outlook and reality check to keep your business moving forward by Fifth Third Bank Motorsports. And I want to welcome our panelists, Jeff Krasenek, the Chief Economist, Commercial Bank, Dave Morton, Managing Director, Motorsports, and Alan Sulik, Business Banking Relationship Manager, Motorsports from Fifth Third Bank Motorsports. And gentlemen, we appreciate you being here. And uh, Dave, I'll go ahead and start with you. Having a bank involved in racing and as involved in racing as Fifth Third Bank is, is uh, is unusual. So how did it come about that Fifth Third Bank and uh, how do they play a role in motorsports? Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Brad. Uh, it's a pr privilege to be on EPAR Trades, uh, weekly, be part of weekly seminar series. And that's a question we get asked uh, a lot uh, because uh, we're a bit of a unicorn out there in, in the industry. And uh uh, and we covered it a little bit quick in the video, but I'll I'll, I'll touch on it because I, I think it's worth going back and, and revisiting because it, it, it tells the story about how, how we got here. And it goes back a long time ago. We've been in business for 165 years. We've got roots in the uh, in, in the Midwest. So we were there before the Model T and we were there alongside as the Model T was being developed and all the companies, the suppliers that have fed into it since then. And We've, we've been there helping helping those companies uh, for, gosh, how many years is that now since the Model T came out? It's a, it's a long time. <laughs> it, it, it's, uh, I guess, about a century or so. So, um, yeah, so we've, we've been passionate about it since uh, early on. And, and our passion continues with helping uh, suppliers and other businesses help get cars on the road as, as well as uh, on, on the track. And you know, we're, we're more committed than ever today. We've got some great partnerships in in the sport and in uh, longstanding uh, over a decade in uh, NASCAR, IndyCar, NHRA, 
we, we get involved a lot in grassroots as well. And we really enjoy some great relationships with industry associations and organizations such as ePartrade. And uh, you know, one of the things that we believe from the beginning is we've got to be fully committed. We've got to be involved. Uh, we've got to show up and, and be part of the motorsports uh, community. So we've really tried to do that. And we have a dedicated motorsports team of experienced bankers. Alan is, uh, is one of them who really understands those nuts and bolts of the racing business because it's, it's different. I mean, it's not, it's not like every industry out there. And you know, you're, you're just as likely to see Alan out at a Saturday night race or in a race shop uh, rather than and in his office. And that's, that's a good thing. We, we think it's critical to helping us uh, help you achieve your financial uh, objectives. And so we know the industry, we know the challenges that uh, people are facing and the nuances of business cycles and so forth. And, and thanks to uh, us making that investment and uh, to the hard work of Alan and, and, and others, uh, you know, today, from kind of bumper to bumper, we bank many of the top uh, suppliers to the sport, and uh, we we love it. I mean, it's 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 a Alan and I uh, talk uh, often about uh, how fantastic it is to be in the banking industry, but we feel as much to be uh, about being in the motorsports industry, and we're relationship oriented people, and and as a bank, we are, and uh, and and Brad, you know that the, the this this sport is all about relationships as well, so. It, it suits us well, and uh, Brad, one of the ways that we've been successful uh, over over the years with motorsports companies is by bringing ideas and sharing insights with our customers. So we're really excited to have Jeff Korzenik, uh, our uh, Fifth Third Bank's chief economist, uh, guest speaker on uh, CNBC with some frequency, really join us for the conversation. And you know, with uh, the continued uncertainties, the threats of an economic downturn, inflation. High interest rates. I mean, it's it's a little all uh, a little daunting, and um, uh, we're hoping to kind of uh, un unveil uh, kind of what all that means, and 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 to really help everybody get some valuable insights uh, during the webinar that will help them be better equipped to run their business and plan for the future, so that they'll be in, in a good position. So, Brad, a bit bit long winded on on, on kind of how we got all here and. And why we think we're approaching motorsports different, but I uh, hope that answers your question. Uh, absolutely. And I think that's wonderful. And uh, let me say congratulations, by the way, uh, to Fifth Third Bank because of a great relationship you all have had longstanding with RFK Racing. I see the background right there. Uh, I've known Chris Busher since he started racing when he was eight years old. And to see him go back to back in the last couple of weeks on the NASCAR Cup Series schedule and uh, the success that he's having with RFK Racing is just wonderful. So y'all are a big part of that. Congratulations on what we've seen so far. Well, thank you. That was a lot of fun. Uh, I was out in Michigan and uh, we happened been walking through uh, Roush Industries uh, manufacturing facilities as the race was being played out on Monday. We all wanted to be there, but we committed to being part of this tour and we had uh, we had other RFK partners with us and we had to stop the tour. We're listening to the race countdown, the final 10 laps and in the middle of their shop floor, we erupted in cheer and uh, it was a great moment to be part of that. Yeah, that is wonderful. Well, as always here on Race Industry Now, if you have a question for any of our panelists, you can type it into the chat. And we certainly want to cover what you want to hear about. But I know Fifth Third Bank Motorsports has a lot to talk about as well. And uh, Jeff, I'm going to start with you when it comes to the questions and uh, great introduction there by Dave as well. Um, let's talk about the current economic environment. It seems to be kind of a mixed bag right now. What do you make of it? 
Uh, that, that's right. Uh, there's an active debate going on right now whether we are destined to have a recession starting perhaps into this year, into early next year, or whether we'll achieve what economists call a soft landing, where, yes, you have an economic slowdown sufficient to get inflation under control without actually going into a uh, into a recession. We at Fifth Third are calling it the muddle through economy. And we think we are indeed in for a slowdown. Uh, the Fed is tightening, continue, has been tightening interest rates now for uh, uh, over a year. We all know that. Typically, uh, when you have that tightening, there's a lag factor before that seeps into the economy and slows the economy. We're only just now starting to see some significant signs of a slowdown ahead of us. What's been so different this cycle? The Fed normally starts a Fed tightening regime when you've run out of labor. This time they started when we had oh, roughly 7 million job seekers and had uh, over 10 million job openings at one point, nearly 12 million job openings. That's a very unusual time to start a, a tightening factor. It's made this cycle very different from past cycles. Yeah, it's uh, it's really interesting to see how things have been going and, um, you know, how things have uh, it, for a lot of people been different and uh, what we may have expected and even some of the things you mentioned there. Well, what do we expect for the balance of the year and, and maybe for 2024 as we continue to look ahead? How optimistic are you or are you cautious about the economy? We're frankly, uh, to, to give away the end of the story, we're fairly cautious. Uh, what has kept this economy alive and given us so much remarkable resiliency was the fact that we had so many job seekers and we had more than enough openings. But we're starting to get to the point where, yes, we still have nearly 6 million job seekers and about 9.5 million job openings in the United States. But we're starting to get down to the point where I think we have more of a skills mismatch. So we may have job seekers, but the openings aren't there for the people with those particular skills. So for the first time, you're starting to see a little bit of slowdown in payroll growth. Um, that's a sign you're seeing things like the average hourly work week is being cut back. All of these are signs that we're, we're, we are starting to see a little bit of a slower level of activity. Um, whether that tips into a recession or not, I think it's still uh, up for debate. Um, our expectation, our baseline is that we will get to a recession, but it will be a remarkably mild one by historical standards. That's really interesting. Well, given that outlook, then look here uh, in the racing world, um, we have business owners who are suppliers and vendors and all of that. We have racers who are business owners in their own right, whether their business is uh, racing itself or whether their business helps support their racing hobby, whatever it might be. So, Jeff, what's your advice uh, when it comes to business owners on how to manage their business right now? Well, there is a couple of pieces of advice that come into play, which are at this point in the cycle. One of the things that's going on right now, we've seen it very uh, clearly in the data, is that banks are tightening their lending standards. So you want to make sure that you have the right relationships uh, in place and access to financing and perhaps um, other kind of resources for a little bit of rougher time ahead. The other question I think that employers have to wrestle with is workforce issues. And there's been something going on across the economy known as labor hoarding, where you have um, uh, the need to do layoffs from a financial perspective, or you have employees who aren't a good fit, but you're so afraid if you lose them, you can't fill those openings. I think business leaders should take this period to start looking at alternative sources of employment? Are you partnering with community colleges? Are you creating pipelines uh, through other, other types of workforce opportunities to make sure that you have the workforce, not that just fills a position, 
but one that uh, is actually a good fit for your enterprise. When you have that, you have the freedom to make sure you can get, uh, you, you can adjust your payrolls, manage your compensation costs appropriately, and don't get stuck in these loops of holding on to people when it no longer makes sense. You know, uh, sort of as a follow-up to that, when you start talking about adjusting payrolls and all of that, but maybe a shortage of qualified labor, um, you know, let's call it, a lot of people look at that and say, well, then this is a job seekers market, that maybe they're the one carrying the ball and being able to negotiate their own terms and salaries and all of that. But if businesses are also looking to slow down payroll, how does that balance? I, I think the balance is that the business community has to be engaged in workforce development in ways none of us ever had to before. It's really important to understand that the labor shortage we're facing today is not just a, a one-time part of a cycle, it's structural. The baby boomers are retiring, but in retirement, they still are consumers of goods and services, but they're no longer involved in producing them. And if you go back 20 or 25 years ago, we simply didn't have a high enough fertility rate, high enough birth rates to sustain the kind of labor force growth that we need for robust economic growth. That means that businesses have to look to solutions. Some of that's automation, but some of that is also being active recruiters, making sure the talent pipelines that they need and the training that they need are part of their local economy. And whether that's public-private partnerships or ramping up internship programs. There are a whole uh, set of solutions. All of them work, but the business community has to drive this. Mm -hmm. and, and to be just a little bit more granular, how do you see the current economic environment impacting discretionary spending, particularly on items that are hobbies and passions, such as what we talk about every day, and that is racing? What we're seeing is we really have two consumers in the United States. One consumer is a homeowner and is locked in. If they have home debt, they've locked in a mortgage at you know three percentage rates. The other set of consumers in the economy are renters, and they have been hit very, very hard by increases in rents, starting to get hit more recently by some increases in energy prices and what appears to be a bottoming in some other commodity prices. So you do see in any kind of downturn, particularly if it results in layoffs, you see a big cutback in discretionary spending. But again, this cycle is a little bit uh, different. You're not walking in with people having all sorts of uh, uh, adjustable rate mortgage debts that are very vulnerable. Uh, credit card debt has been rising, but is not uh, out of control. We're in a very different position than we were, say, in 2007, 2008, going into that terrible downturn. So yes, discretionary spending, you would expect a pullback in this kind of environment, but not a terribly bad one. And it depends on where you where your consumers are, where that spending is coming from. If it's high-end consumers, the ones who tend to own homes and have fixed rate mortgages, they're a lot, a lot less exposed to this business cycle than the average consumer. Yeah, that's interesting. Well, Alan, let's turn it over to you here for a moment, if you don't mind. Um, you work directly with a number of motorsports suppliers. What are you seeing right now? Um, you know, and we've even seen some, uh, you know, when we have the commercial that we start our race industry now, people like Vaughn Gittin and United Race Parts and all of that. What are you seeing out there, Alan? Well, you know what Jeff was talking about the lag, I, I think I'm above the lag right now. My comments are going to be just because it, it hasn't, I haven't seen it fully just interviewing tens and twenties of, of customers and prospects, probably weekly, if not daily sometimes. So um, thanks for the time, everybody. And, and, and good morning and afternoon to everyone too. So um, speaking with a numerous 
motorsports clients and prospects every day, mainly suppliers, manufacturers, uh, some small tracks and small teams. I'm not seeing the pullback yet. I'm not, I'm not seeing it yet. Um, just based on some recent conversations, but uh, uh, these companies still have opportunities to invest and grow their company and they're going to take the means and measures to do that. So uh, I'm not seeing it yet, but obviously um, Jeff talked a little bit about it too, but the cost to borrow funds has increased. Of course, in the last 18 months, I'd call it maybe prime went up, Jeff, I think 5%, uh, something like that. So those funds are, are more expensive, but um, I'm not seeing the owners stopping seeking growth and, and other opportunities on that part of it. Um, some of the recent interactions I've had with customers recently this month, uh, last month, uh, customers constructed a building because they have outgrowed their um, their their current lease situation and and uh, warehousing. So they're they're currently constructing right now in Mooresville, actually. And then the other one I, I wanted to mention is uh, they're expanding an existing building to handle some more increased warehousing needs that they currently uh, don't have to expand their product lines also. But uh, inventory management. I don't want to say building up inventory, but the that's been pretty a uh, hot topic lately just because what we saw uh, during COVID with all the supply issues. So I, I'm not going to say that people are trying to overbuild or overstock, but I am starting to see that a lot of just making sure that they control control their so-called own destiny. Um, and then more and more, I'm involved in, in a, a couple of things too that maybe some banks don't talk about every day, but exit strategies of owners, uh, opportunities to buy other businesses, um, succession planning do we have a key employee we want to reward somehow those kind of things i'm i'm being involved more and more we have other internal partners to help me in those conversations when it gets to that point but uh as the point of contact i'm definitely seeing that and another thing uh, too that we're, we're actually seeking opportunities uh dave and i are but um seeing a lot of foreign owned entities that have domestic presence that still need a bank they still need daily you know operations and those kind of things. So more than happy to, to look at those things. Uh, in a little bit, I'll put my uh, contact information if anybody has any follow-up conversations in the chat bar, but uh, appreciate the time and uh, appreciate the question. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And uh, and as Alan mentioned in the chat, if you have a question, uh, feel free to ask it in the chat. We definitely want to be able to talk about what you want to talk about as well. Alan, I'm also curious as a follow-up, you know, we talked with Jeff about the overall economy, um, you know, right now, but we also have our own motorsports economy. And what if you're a race team, if you're a supplier, whatever it might be, um, Right now, we're seeing a lot more interest and popularity in motorsports. You know, you can look at Formula One and what they've done, but that's also trickling out to other motorsports. NASCAR has higher attendance this year and everything. The economy in general, when it comes to the race teams, the money they're taking in from sponsorship, how healthy is that right now? Um, which would also speak to the overall economy as well. And when you start talking about the future and people also looking forward, how forward are we looking? Is there hesitation on that side of it that, hey, this is what I have today, yeah, but you know, with a lot of worry about the overall economy? I'll try to establish some of it. Maybe Dave can help too, but uh, Dave goes to more NASCAR races, but specifically for me, a grassroots Saturday night person. I, I go to World of Outlaw events, Formula Drift events, those kind of things. And I, I'm just seeing increased souvenir sales. We do have some, some uh, interaction in those kind of things. I see numbers of sales. Uh, people are showing up. People are, pay, people are paying the gate prices, the hotels, the whole thing. 
there's still, I went to Missouri in May on Memorial Day for a Lucas Oil event, and it was packed. You, you couldn't, you had to stand, um, and people are spending money. Um, so for those examples, I, I see it very robust right now. Um, obviously, NASCAR has had some increased involvement, and, and we're, we're happy with that. Thanks for the, the plug on Chris Buescher, um, too. But uh, Dave, if you want to add anything on that, uh, as far as what you're seeing. Yeah, I, I, when I have conversations with suppliers from uh, smaller suppliers to larger ones, uh, they're uh, they're all say pretty much the same thing. Uh, COVID was really good for them. They saw a, a bit of a leveling off uh, after uh, after the, you know, the the really strong demand, but that it continues to be really good business, and they're generally optimistic uh, about where it's headed and um, don't have uh, concerns about uh, um, certainly over the the, the next uh, 12 months you know, we're as Alan said, we, we, we're, we're working with several companies as they're making acquisitions in this uh, in the space uh, that um, you know they're just really bullish on on uh, on, on where the, the direction their business is headed. Race teams as well. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm seeing a lot of race teams that, uh, because of the fan interest, uh, because of continued interest from sponsors, because that's compared to other sports, uh, the certainly on some of the, the larger series, uh, the, the TV dollars uh, continue to go up and the viewership continues to be stronger than stick and ball sports uh, compared to racing. And that's been uh, that's been really good for helping to attract new sponsors. Um, all and and, uh, and 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 that that goes for uh, for grass grassroots as well. And you're seeing a, a lot of different uh, great deals out in uh, um, media uh, streaming. And uh, it was just uh, sports betting. There was just a big uh, big announcement on a one and a half billion dollar deal that uh, that was put together on, on sports betting. So there's a lot of investments that are being made. In racing, a lot of bets on uh, that motorsports is uh, is going to be the right place uh, to continue to grow your business in the future. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and obviously a very passionate fan base. Uh, well, Jeff, I'm going to turn it back to you. And this works out because we had a similar question in the chat as well. Uh, but when do you anticipate that the Fed is going to get inflation under control? And when do you think they will stop raising interest rates? So that's the million dollar, well, $2 million questions in a row. Uh, the Fed uh, had has taken care of the low hanging fruit of getting inflation, some progress on inflation. Uh, we saw uh, inflation this cycle was largely caused by two things. They boiled out to too many dollars chasing too few goods, too many dollars. The federal government gave a tremendous amount of aid and transfer payments. Uh, we would argue well past the point they should have. So there was too many dollars chasing what goods were out there. And then during COVID, the uh, slow resumption of getting people back to work and specific COVID-related uh, uh, COVID related restrictions that say govern the ports of Southern California, the, the main ports for goods coming from Asia, uh, really restricted the flow of goods. So we had too many dollars and we had too few goods. That's largely cleared up. The challenge going forward, though, and this is what's going to govern the direction of the Fed, is that wage inflation remains very sticky. 
And we're not making much progress on that. Labor market conditions seem to be easing, but they're easing in ways that don't seem to be affecting wages. So we have, for instance, uh, average hourly earnings. We had that report uh, came out last Friday, uh, was up four tenths of a percent for the single month of July, right? You annualize that, you're close to 5% wage inflation. Even looking year over year, it's over 4%. Uh, 4%. That's inconsistent with the Fed's target. And so until we can get wage inflation under control, the Fed is going to be very, very reluctant to uh, ease interest rates unless there's profound economic uh, uh, weakness, unless we're in a recession. So this will be one of those cycles. It's not the typical cycle, but it has happened before where we think the Fed is going to keep interest rates elevated. Uh, we're not in the camp that says they'll, they'll raise rates any further than this, but I think they're going to sit here for a long time, long time meaning probably... Um, uh, over the next 12 months, rates will be pretty much unchanged. And then we will see where inflation is. Our belief at Fifth Third is that we are starting to make some progress on uh, very slowly on the wage front, but it's it's taking a long, long time uh, to do. You know, it, it's uh, it's interesting. A lot of times it seems like when, when something goes up, um, that immediately gets passed on. But sometimes when things start to go down, it uh, it's not like it immediately goes down. But uh, a follow-up to talking about interest rates um, from the chat, how long does it usually take for those things to start trickling down to borrowers, business owners, racetracks, all of that? You know, it, it varies so much each cycle. Um, people argue it takes at least uh, a year. Um and then um, can take up to two years, sometimes three years, depending on how you view these cycles. We just completed a study of that, and there's a tremendous amount of variance. This cycle, it's, it's a little bit different, again, because the Fed started earlier than usual, when we still had lots of capacity to grow our workforce because of all those job seekers and all those job openings. That's kept everything moving more slowly in terms of the impact of of tighter money on the real economy, but it would be, there's no example in the past where it doesn't have some impact. It's just a, a matter of time. I think you're seeing it already. One of the things that's uh, happened more recently, and as all your listeners know, is the banking industry had uh, you know an event in March where there was a lot of concern over um, stability of, of the banking system. Um, the concern over the stability of the banking system is, is largely gone, but it's clear that um, banks have tighter profit margins as a result of, or in the aftermath of that. That's resulting in tightening lending standards. That's starting to trickle into the consumers. And uh, I think, you know, there's on the part of the consumers, you also have to say we were in this post-COVID period of uh, people have called it revenge consumption. You know, after being locked down, people were determined to spend no matter what, or people who had uh, received the government uh, stimulus checks uh, if you didn't have to work for the money, um, we, we did a, a thumbnail sketch, some families of four, two, two adults, two children of modest income um, received over $11,000 in stimulus checks. When you don't have to work for money, you tend to spend it a little bit differently. So some of that splurge spending, I think, is still in the economy, but it's got a shelf life. 
Yeah, well, and sometimes when those things end or when there's inflation or, you know, people have less money coming in than what they have going out, let's say, um, a lot of times people look to different means. And when interest rates were low, maybe people were refinancing their homes and doing a cash out or something like this. I was reading an article yesterday uh, talking about a higher number of people that are starting to cash in part of their retirement, their 401k and all of that. So with interest rates being up right now, how does that impact what consumers are doing to, you know, no one wants to just immediately change their lifestyle. So they try and find ways to delay that. How is that being impacted? What, what typically happens is you see rising debt in those periods. Um, but again, to your point, because interest rates are so high, um, you may be seeing people uh, tap other sources of income. That article specifically talked about uh, not withdrawing money for good, not taking a distribution from retirement plans, but looked at loans. And loans from uh, 401k plans are uh, not, you know, not necessarily a very wise move um, to, to interrupt your re retirement assets. But from a cost of funds, you're borrowing money and most of that interest payment goes back to yourself back into the 401k. So I have no doubt that some consumers are using that as it's a cheaper than credit card or cheaper than a home equity line of credit uh, source, source of funds. But again, to your point, that doesn't go on forever. Sooner or later, and this is what happens in past cycles, people try to maintain lifestyles beyond what may be affordable. Uh, we see the federal government does that as well. And uh, and sooner or later, that catches up with you. And uh, we think that's ahead. I, I don't mean to paint a terribly negative picture because I think we do have a much better um, entry point to this cycle than most recession, potential rece recession cycles. And we still have this structural imbalance in the labor force that's going to result in, yes, we do think it's possible to get elevated layoffs coming ahead, but it's not going to be as bad as past cycles. Yeah, well, speaking of the workforce, then you do a lot of work related to workforce issues. Uh, is the great resignation real? And when will the label market improve? Well, the great uh, resignation, I think, is a misnomer. Uh, it was really the great retirement. Uh, during uh, COVID, the COVID lockdowns, and then it really through uh, 2021, we lost about two and a half million workers who retired earlier than expected. And I can't stress enough to the listeners how important the retirement of the baby boom generation is to the economy. We, like most people, had been expecting about 10,000 baby boomers a day to retire for the next roughly the next decade. Instead, a lot of that got pulled forward and happened all of a sudden. And it is hard to see. Some of those workers will come back, but many will not. And so it was a great retirement not the great resignation. They're not coming back. It's not like a game of musical chairs. And so that's the big challenge for the business community. But the business community can do something about this. And uh, we've studied at Fifth Third how Japan addressed its labor force challenge. They got older and had more people leave the labor force due to age uh, decades ahead of the rest of the developed world. And they came up with solutions. And in fact, if we had Japan's labor force participation rate, we would not have a labor shortage. We would not have the Fed stepping on the neck of the US economy with high interest rates. How, did, how do countries address this? They do by going looking where they have overlooked labor before. And that involves things like making sure you're not 
barring people through credentials? Are you holding um, job requirements that really don't apply and doing more skills-based hiring? Don't, you know, do you need a bachelor's degree? Do you need an associate's degree? Or do you just need someone who can do the job? Um, making sure you're only, uh, opening pathways for part-time jobs, perhaps looking at full-time openings and see if they can be replaced with two part-time positions. Um, that attracts uh, parents who want to work part-time. Uh, we're hearing, say, on some factory floors, nine to two shifts, so parents can drop off their child at school, be home when the school is over. Doesn't solve a full, for a 40-hour work week, but gets you part of the way. Older workers, retirees, or people who are thinking of retiring, often want to keep working. They just don't want to work 40 hours a week or 50 hours a week. So opening those pathways and then going to people who have been overlooked. Um, I've done a, a, a lot of research with Fifth Thirds Banking and even have a book on this. Um, we have 19 million Americans in this country who have felony convictions, who are largely overlooked, either unemployed or uh, are employed below their capability because they tend to be rejected of hand. Um, this is not to say that all of them can be good employees, but there are many businesses that have found ways to identify who among this vast population would be a good fit for your enterprise, and then what you have to, have to do to ensure that they thrive. And uh, that's a resource that is just starting to get traction in the US economy, but between older workers, making sure we don't have unnecessary credentials, being friendlier through shifts to uh, working parents, offering pathways for people who left the workforce for whatever reason, whether it was interaction with the criminal justice system, taking care of an older parent or taking care of children, making sure we have openings for everyone who's real willing and capable to work. That is really interesting for sure. Alan, I'd like to turn it to you for a minute. Um, you know, we're talking about Fifth Third Bank Motorsports and a lot of the people you talk to um, have various banking needs, whether they be personal, business, or uh, with their motorsports. What are some of the things that you see? I mean, you know, typically we think of banking, we think of what we do, you know, as part of our business, be it home business, professional business, whatever, but uh, on the motorsports side of things, what's out there for racers? Um, can everybody hear me and see me okay? Yes, sir. Yeah, I minimized the view. So thanks, thanks, thanks for that, Brad. Um, so as far as what racers are seeing or what racers are doing. Yeah, you know, when when it comes to uh, you know, maybe I'm thinking of things that maybe I'm not thinking about um as a racer. And and I've got my enterprise, be it as a, a supplier, a vendor, whatever it might be, maybe I'm just a racer that um, hey, what can Fifth Third Bank Motorsports do for me that maybe I'm not thinking about um in my normal day-to-day? Uh, -day? I, I try to tell everybody that I talk to, especially the especially the the newer either clients or even prospects. The knowledge that we have internally, uh, me included through through Dave and everybody else, is if I can save you a little bit of time of explaining what a car means or what motorsports means, or hey, uh, I'm a supplier and we really don't get paid in October, November. Are you guys going to be supportive of that? Um, that kind of value add, I think, is is what sets us apart from a from a lot of institutions, uh, just because. The bank has allowed me to de dedicate the, at least the last five or six years full time to understand the cycles and everything that goes with with motorsports. But, um, you know, every everybody, everybody needs um, a bank. And I don't mean to say that conceitedly that everybody has to at least know a banker because that banker at least is going to help them through 
through different paths that that 1-800 numbers will never help them through. So I just just knowing a banker, um, I think is is half the battle. And obviously, with the specialized uh, banking that I have in, in motorsports, hopefully I'm the good one to do that. Yeah, well, you know what, though, that 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 really answers that question and sums it up perfectly when you start talking about the cycle, um, because uh, we definitely have a cycle. We are a season oriented type of sport. Um, and with something like that and having a bank that understands that, um, Jeff, I'm not I, sure if this oh, I'm sorry, go ahead, Al or Dave. I just wanted to j jump uh, add to what uh, what, what Alan said uh, as well. And uh, Alan's right. You need a banker and you also need to think about your bank in terms of it's not a transaction. They should be a partner that you share uh, the uh, uh, your what's going on with your business in the same way that you would a, a, a business partner that had ownership in, in the business. And every business is different, and every business has different challenges. And uh, you, you you may be thinking, I need I need to borrow a million dollars to help me get through the next twelve months. And when it comes down to it. If you really peel back the onion, you learn that, gosh, there's, there's ways to accelerate your cash flow that would alleviate the need to, to borrow money. And so there's a lot of different uh, ways to, uh, to if, you, if you really dive, do a deeper dive into how a bank can, can help their, their clients. But it, it takes a relationship and, and, it, and it takes being willing to share openly uh, what, what you're trying to get done. And don't just go in looking for the best rate. Go in, I mean, you want a good rate. Uh, you expect a good rate, a fair rate, but you should go in uh, with, uh, with the idea that I, I want them to consult with me. And that's, that's whether it's Fifth Third or any other bank, that's the better approach to take. And that's, that's when you've got a partner who's gonna help you figure out things like we're doing with Jeff today on what in the world is going on uh, and, and, uh, and the economy and, and how does it impact my business and what should I be doing? That's, those are the types of conversations that Alan's having that all motorsports businesses should be having with their bankers. Yeah, very fair. Uh, Jeff, this might be better for you. A question from the chat. Um, what caused the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank? And obviously, when that happened, uh, that created a lot of fear and rumors about what that would do to the banking industry as a whole. Like, were they the first domino or was that just a very unique thing? And what is Fifth Third Bank doing to guarantee the stability of the institution of your clients? Sure. I think the, the first question, I think there are three questions there. Uh, the first question, what caused it? Essentially, bad banking. Um, Silicon Valley Bank had a uh, essentially unstable depositor base. A lot of it was tied in, as same as true of First Republic uh, Bank, uh, another notable uh, problem in the banking system, both very, very closely tied to the venture capital community. And so they had deposits that in many cases were uh, relying on companies that in the venture capital space that were burning through cash. And when they lost, those companies lost access to raising new funds, um, the deposits fled and then accelerated very, very uh, quickly. Some of this was compounded by bad lending as well, but, but it was largely uh, mismanagement. I think everyone should understand we have more than 4,000 commercial banks in the United States, uh, even more, a greater number of credit unions. So there are always going to be some outliers. We, in our 165-year history, have a long history of running our business very, very conservatively. So uh, to a large degree, what we're doing to ensure 
uh, our depositors and our banking relationships is keep doing what we've been doing, which is running a very disciplined, diversified portfolio of, uh, of customers and also prudent depositor uh, base. I think it's telling that the third of the three banks that, that went under in, uh, in the spring, uh, Signature Bank in New York, which had a uh, very high concentration exposure to crypto and very local real commercial real estate exposure, um, I think is very telling that our former CEO was asked by the, by, uh, the federal authorities to take over that bank once it had gone over. So you, the, the feds don't suffer fools lightly. Um, the fact that they tapped Greg Carmichael, our uh, retired uh, CEO and chairman, to take that on is really a testament to how he led Fifth Third and how we continue to uh, approach banking. It, we are in this for the long term. We've been here 165 years. We hope to be here for at least the next 165 years, though none of us personally will be there. <laughs> and and hopefully we all grow together, uh, yeah. which is a wonderful thing. Well, Dave, let me turn it to you. Uh, you know, final thoughts. Um, we've talked about a lot of things, but again, this is Fifth Third Bank Motorsports, um, really the thrust of what we're doing here, talking to the motorsports industry. Yeah, I, right. I, I I thought this was pretty interesting and, and a fantastic opportunity to to share uh, share our thoughts on on what's going on out there. I I I, I have the opportunity here, Jeff. Uh, and just to read his thoughts and on many occasions, but uh, I'm, I'm always enlightened by what he has to say. And that it, uh, it really helps me think clearer about uh, where we're headed. And I think there were a number of key points that we hit on, and I tried to take some kind of notes along the way. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, I, I, I thought it was interesting, the muddling through this, the, uh, the, the economy was a interesting way to, to, uh, to, to think about it. And, that this is this is very different than than maybe some other uh, cycles that we've we've been through, and I think that's overall for the better uh, that it is a little bit different because it it uh, has the potential not to be as severe and and ha to have a, a negative impact on 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 businesses. Uh, but by that same token, there's certainly uh, some some things that businesses need to be thinking about and being a little bit more prudent about some of the decisions they're making. And there are still some ongoing challenges with, with uh, you know, the interest rates continue to be high, although glad to hear that we think that the interest rates uh, won't be going higher. Uh, some great ideas on, uh, on how to solve for workforce shortages. I, I don't think I come across a single company out there that I talked to that doesn't have a challenge with getting, uh, getting uh, good, good labor and, um, so I, I, I thought there was some interesting ideas around how they might be able to uh, solve for that. And um, there continues to be a lot of M&A activity that uh, an interest. And some of that is, I think there's there's a, a generational thing. There's a, there's a lot of people that have been uh, in racing for, for decades and have created what motorsports is today. And so you're seeing them now. They've built a great business. And they're they're looking to to uh, to reap the benefit from that, and uh, so that 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 continues to be really uh, really strong as as well. And um, fascinated by the whole retirement of the baby boomers and the impact that has. I think that's there's been a lot of talk about that over the years, uh, but it's, uh, this is I think the first time we've really we've really felt it in a, in, in a big way. Um, so uh, you know I, I think my takeaway from all this is. Uh, 
uh, and, and you know, based on what, what I see, what Alan uh, says, and 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 what uh, Jeff has shared, that you know, we the motorsports industry is still strong, and and the businesses connected to it are are certainly well positioned to succeed and profit. Uh, and it won't be easy. There's you know, there, there's certainly some headwinds that that uh, we're all facing together. Uh, but if they take the right steps, uh, they they can still uh, grow their business and and be successful and. Um, you know, we're fifth third. Uh, we want to be help help be part of that solution and and help and help the businesses to be able to uh, uh, get through this period and and come out stronger at at, at the end of it. And uh, Alan shared a little bit about all the different ways we can we can do that. Uh, and it can be access to capital for uh, to help grow the business or or, or to acquire other businesses. Um, I mentioned before improving cash flow. Uh, and and some some people may be five years out from when they're thinking about to uh, selling the business or transitioning ownership to new group. And now's the time to be thinking about that now. And it's the uh, businesses need to be thinking longer term. Uh, you know, they, they need a plan for, for this year, but they need to be more strategic about it and, and look out three to five years as well. And that goes for the owners and, and, and how they can uh, monetize the investments that they've uh, made over the years. So uh, Alan and I think have both put our contact information in, in the chat section, and uh, you know, we had not a long time to talk here, but uh, certainly uh, would welcome the opportunity for follow up. And and uh, if you've got questions that we don't know the answers to, that are again more around uh, the economic outlook and some of the thoughts that Jeff shared, uh, I'm sure Jeff would be happy to to respond to some some emails there and uh, and, and and dive a little bit deeper on any on any of those topics. So. Uh, Brad, thanks for being the uh, the maestro here. You you always do a fantastic job. It's uh, it's always a pleasure, and and a big thanks to Eat Partrade for for putting on these uh, valuable week, weekly seminars. This this is important to have these types of conversations, and uh, and thank you for giving Fifth Third the opportunity to be part of this. Yeah, we look forward to seeing you guys around the track. And look, we can use racing analogies for everything in life. And, uh, you know, I, I can't help but think of it this way. Um, you're probably not going to use your landscaper to tune your engine, although he might be very talented. So you're going to go to an engine tuner. Uh, I think when it comes to the finances of life and uh, motorsports as well, Fifth Third Bank Motorsports, obviously, um, you guys have uh, are very tuned in to what we're doing in this industry. So thank you very much. Appreciate that, Brad. Yeah, I really appreciate all the insight you guys brought on board, things I never even thought about. So thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. It's a great webinar. It has been recorded. It will be posted later uh, through the ePortlet platform, distributed via our newsletters and social media channel. Thank you very much for watching it today. We will be back next week live again at 9 Pacific uh, with uh, My Race Pass. In the meantime, we pushed Fifth Third Bank's offers back on the homepage of the ePortlet platform, so you can connect there with David and Alan and, and the motorsport team over there. So thank you very much for being with us today and uh, please take advantage of the portrait platform we launched the v uh, version 5.0 last week so it's up and running and it's fantastic so thank you very much have a great week bye bye thank you all thank ePartrade is a digital platform that we've created basically to make life easier in the business community of auto racing. ePartrade, there is no e-commerce. It's literally a connection just like at a trade show. So now, any time of the year, a buyer could reach out to a supplier. When you see a product that you're interested in, all you need to do is click on the request more information. 
and then from there it is forwarded directly to the buyer or to the supplier. ePartrade really eliminates having to travel, closing down your shop. Now you have a place to showcase globally your racing product and technology. Land speed record holder George Poteet's Speed Demon rocketed 481 miles per hour at the Bonneville Salt Flats. You don't go that fast without ARP fasteners. There is no way that we could go the speed that we've gone, the number of times we've gone, with a lesser quality bolt than ARP supplies to us. And we absolutely wouldn't be where we were today if it weren't for ARP. When failure is not an option, it's ARP-Bolts.com. We're Performance Plus Global Logistics. Our team of dedicated performance industry and logistics experts get valuable cars and components to the track on time in top condition. We provide expedited logistics solutions for the performance industry using direct routes instead of deferred options and communicate all necessary information to the appropriate resources to meet regulations and ensure a smooth transit and secure delivery, both domestically and internationally. And we exceed customer expectations by providing best-in-class service with an efficient and cost-effective system in place. Contact us today to book your next shipment. You work as hard as your truck, and you have no time for downtime. That's why more truck owners trust Blue Def, America's number one diesel exhaust fluid brand. Each batch is guaranteed pure, so you can avoid costly repairs caused by inferior DEF. Demand America's best for your truck. Blue DEF and Blue DEF Platinum. Put trust in your truck. With ShopMonkey, we've been able to grow the shop by 20% in gross sales since implementing it in the shop. Everything that we were doing before has been sped up with ShopMonkey. All of our parts ordering, all of our approvals, all of our mechanics knowing what to do next. And I've had friends that are in the trade that own shops ask about ShopMonkey and I highly recommend it just because of easy use. There's nothing like it with that kind of platform. With roots in the Midwest that date back well before the Model T, Fifth Third Bank has a long history of serving the needs of automotive companies. While much has changed over the years, our passion for helping businesses put cars on the road and on the track has not. Today, we are more committed than ever as a member of SEMA, a founding member of PRI, and a sponsor of multiple race teams across several racing series. For over a decade, Fifth Third Bank has been a staunch supporter of our industry and a great partner for many companies in the motorsports field. Our business has been growing extremely fast and really we could not be where we are today without Fifth Third. They provided amazing strategic advice, the capital we need to support our phases of growth. They are true partners for me now and what they do with their involvement in motorsports is untouched in this community. Where can we take your business? Fifth Third Bank.